All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, this is AJ. Frank's here, too. How's everybody doing? Hey, guys. I know it's been a while. Uh, with the summer, everything's just been a little bit crazy. Uh, we've been having tricky audio issues that we don't really want to get too much further into because it just causes us frustration. Uh, suffice to say, we are here. It's the uh, second week of the su- second week, second weekend of July, July 15th. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, the latest entry into the MCU and Spider-Man franchise. Frank, what did you think of the movie? I really enjoyed this. You know, it, we I think we both saw it about a week ago, and it, it's kind of been on my mind all week. Um, I it was just a really fresh take on Spider-Man, and it, it was it's really exciting to have another entry. In, the MCU so quickly. Uh, obviously, I feel like we just talked about Guardians Volume Two, which came out at the beginning of May. So, right. It's uh, it's it's in comparison to some of the other Spider-Man flicks, it's really just got a lot of energy. It has um, a lightness to the tone. Um, Tom Holland just does a fantastic job at at, at portraying, you know a high school student with this sense of purpose and wonder. And, um, it's just, it's, I think the best thing about this film is that he really was able to carry it. And, um, you know, obviously there are so many other elements to it that made it succeed. But, um, you know, I, I think he was really the important piece that, uh, Marvel studios and Sony, like when they cast him, they did a great job. And, Obviously, he kind of stole the show a little bit in, in Civil War last year, but I was really impressed with the take on uh, on this film. What about you? What, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, so uh, walking out of this movie, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Um, and then I did something that I normally don't do before we talk about a movie, and I watch like other people's thoughts on this film. Mm-hmm. And like it made me question some things. I do want to see it again because I do want to see you know if my uh, beliefs are totally true uh having said that um you know i did really enjoy seeing this movie when i saw it in theaters i think that you know this movie is uh really uh fun and light on its feet i really liked how small and restricted the story felt and i really enjoyed uh you know all of the characters and i think the reveals the tr- the trouble with this movie is it's really hard to talk about it without talking about spoilers. So it's been out for a week. If you haven't seen this movie, um, please go check it out. Uh, th- those are our uh, non-spoilery reviews. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to uh, listen to what we think and you've seen the movie, you can listen forward from here. But after this point, you're really going to have the entire movie of Spider-Man completely ruined for you. So I don't know why you would listen to us before you see it. So anyway, we're going to begin that now. So... I think that ultimately this movie does a lot for uh, Spider-Man, but I don't think Spider-Man gets a lot to do in this movie. And I think that the the second half of this movie, like the um, the act two of this movie, are like really awesome and excellent. But I do also think that there are some parts of this movie where we don't get some of the things that make Spider-Man Spider-Man. Sure. And and uh, you know, there's a lot you know, going on here as well as, like, you know, future MCU stuff. And uh, I think that that is... They did it kind of tastefully. I think that they got kind of what they wanted to do. 
I do see it as Kevin Feige's uh, John Hughes movie. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like Ferris Bueller a lot. Even they reference Ferris Bueller as he's running around through the backyards because he's unable to swing and he runs past, uh, you know, them watching Ferris Bueller. It's like, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, th- they really went for that, which I think was cool. Um, and I dug all of the, you know, characters and, and, uh, yeah, man, it's, this movie is, oh my God, all the questions that I now have are, are big, which I think are, is pretty fun. Yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you this question. Sure. Okay. So we know, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, we know him as Tobey Maguire, we know him as Andrew Garfield. There's a few animated guys, I don't know their names, I'm sorry everybody, there's, you know, Bendis is an important artist and, you know, writer of these things, and there's, like, another guy who's, like, Buck Roy, I think he's, like, you know, noted in this thing. I don't know. Uh, but Spider-Man, um, what do you think, like, is your, you, you know, do you have a favorite of the old Spider-Man movies that you were worried about this movie, like, living up to? Yeah, I mean, I think Spider-Man 2, and it's been a long time since I've gone back to it, but uh, I have seen it several times. Um, I actually picked up the trilogy on Blu-ray like sometime last year, and I still haven't cracked it open yet. So I think now that I've seen this new one, I probably want to go back and rewatch some of those. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man 2, it it was just such a great movie at the time. Like I think because the original was such a surprise that uh, it, you know, it had something to live up to, and then it, it totally surpassed it, especially with the whole Doc Ock element where you have such a compelling villain, and um, you really see Tobey Maguire grow as uh, Peter Parker in that film. So I I don't know. I, I think there's always part of me that's just going to be like, that movie, especially because it's like so embedded in our early youth, it's like there's that nostalgia of it. Um, so I don't know if it will this movie would uh, homecoming that is ever surpass that in my mind. But um, there are a lot of things that this new one did better in a lot of ways. But I think one of the things that they were trying to avoid was to do another origin story. And they very much avoided that. And, you know, I think, yeah, yeah. 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 I think what what happens is that you don't really get the feeling of, okay, so many things that are core to the, the Peter Parker, Spider-Man story, we kind of just skipped past, you know, you know, we don't get to see him really discovering his powers. There's no uncle Ben in this universe as far as we can tell. And well, as far as we can tell, I, you know, there, there, okay. There's a whole bunch of nerd things (laughs) that, you know, are out there. You know, I heard the collider guys talk about this. I heard everything is awesome. I heard Mr. Sunday movies, nostalgia critic. I think people are, are thinking that uncle Ben may have died in the Battle of New York. Okay. So that's what the big scoop on Uncle Ben is at this point in time. Yeah, I mean... Which, would, which wouldn't really explain what Peter said in the first in Civil War, and also may not, you know, pay, you know, any due to... and may pay sort of due to what he's alluding to uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming about Aunt May about midway through the movie, when he's like, Aunt May's been through a lot to Ned. Right. Okay, okay, Ned. Let's talk about Ned. Sure. So so I think Ned is a great part of this movie. Like, I want to get... Okay, we're going to talk about Tom Holland later, but let's talk about Ned first. So I think Ned is fantastic. I loved him. I thought he was hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, And he totally played into a movie trope that, like, 
you know, they totally have an Ant-Man. They don't really make fun of it as much because they're all, like, thieves. Whereas, like, these are, like, kids. And, like, that part was really, uh, I think, really funny. What did you think of this character? I think he was really funny. I, I, I love his bit or, like, uh, just like, can I be the guy in the chair? I want to be your guy in the chair. Like, <laughs> But yeah. it, it was a really uh, natural way to have someone discover his abilities, you know, just, like, he <laughs> just shows up in his room. And, you know, I, I think... It clearly shows how in over his head Peter is and that all of a sudden he, he comes back home and he doesn't even remember that, you know, he was supposed to hang out with his friend. And, and then they go on to this crazy journey together. Um, he he's a, a lot of the humor in the film. He um, but also kind of really grounds it in a sense. Um, totally. Totally. So, um, and like I read a little bit about um, just like. Ned Leeds in the comics, the yeah. Hobgoblin and all this garbage. Yeah, they're <laughs> like combined a whole bunch of different characters right. from, and they, they came out with this guy, which which is great. You know, and I think that's what is kind of fun about it. Like this movie didn't necessarily have your traditional cast of characters. You know, there's no Osborns, there's no Mary Jane. There's well, well we don't like, know that there, we don't know that there's no Osborne. Not at, at least not yet, but you know, like in, in the traditional sense, like who do you think? Who do you think's buying uh, Stark Tower? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a very good point. You know, um, somebody has to. Somebody has to, and yeah, I mean, I think they're setting that stuff up. But it's interesting that you know the first first trilogy and then the Amazing Spider-Man movies both from the get-go had uh, the Osborns deep into it. They had. Aunt May and uh, yeah, but that's your that's the golden age Spider-Man, you know, origin story, and and we're all very familiar with it. And I do applaud Disney and Marvel for saying no, like we don't even want to have a flashback. We don't even want we don't want to show you Uncle Ben. Right. We don't want to do uh, with great power comes great responsibility. We just want to have you know Spider-Man already is Spider-Man. Dealing with the, you know, all of the things that are, you know, have just happened to him now that, you know, he is ostensibly an Avenger. Right. So I, I dug, I dug that whole aspect. I think in the sequel they need to do that though, I, and I think that, and I think that he, uh, here's why. We know, okay, Spider-Man. The reason Spider-Man is the Marvel flagship character is because he is the most complicated, relatable superhero character of all times. Stan Lee loves him. Ditko loves him. They knew that, and that's why he's the the front page guy of Marvel. And they and Marvel, MCU, Feige knows this, and he needed to just get us all to get back on page one with Spider Man existing in this world and being fans and being down with it and wanting to see what happens next. Right. So they accomplished that. Yeah. But I think that what they need to introduce in the second movie is like in uh, bring in what makes Spider-Man really great, which is how complicated and how much responsibility Peter Parker has on his shoulders that he needs to accomplish. And that it's really important to kind of have not necessarily the exact same responsibilities that he's had, you know, in the Golden Age origin stories and Raimi movies that we're used to, but to kind of do it maybe in a different way and just, but to still make relevant and very clear that the beauty and you know essence of Spider-Man is how relatable and how uh, complicated and human he is, and not uh, how um, you know, a- a- and not really just you know the butt of a joke, and right. not 
and you know moving his character forward enough yeah and i think we sort of touched on this a little bit in our last episode but uh, the fact that the sequel um, to this movie comes out basically at the start of Phase 4, so we're, we're past all the Infinity War stuff. So obviously we're going to see him as a character, um, and I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of character development for him in those films, and he's probably going to be a little bit more central than maybe we realize. But I think the true sequel will be bringing every, everything really back down to Earth, <laughs> literally in uh figuratively but I, I think uh having a story that is more familiar in in that like okay this this first movie we wanted to do something completely different than the the five films before it and now uh that you've seen that and you've seen him in the avengers movies we're gonna bring it back and we're gonna try to tell you a little bit more about his origin tell a little bit more about uh why like you said there's that sense of responsibility and um, probably, maybe. I, I think they want to do a new villain that they haven't done on screen still, but I also Yeah, do Craven. Like, they're going to totally. do that. They're going to do that uh, graphic novel. Craven's Last uh, Hunt. Right. Do that. That's fine. I'm and, down. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, but I think. It also, it doesn't have to be the traditional Sinister Six for me. Like, right. make, it all, make it a whole bunch of new guys that, you know, that don't necessarily align with what they were originally planning. Yeah, and I think... You know, like, don't... Let's, like, let, let's not have another Green Goblin. Well, I, I, I agree like, with you I, there, but you know, like, I think they'll have the Osborns in there. I think that if they're going to do it, they're going to bring them in now, in that sequel, or at some point, they'll tease it along the lines in Affinity War, like, oh, you know, the Osborns bought Avengers Tower or something like that to, to show that they exist in this universe. Um, and maybe he meets Harry, maybe something like that. But I don't think we'll have a goblin in the next movie. And, you know, hopefully uh, Sony is on board to do more of these films after they realize how successful it was. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's definitely room to have a, a new villain that they had done before, some new cast of characters, um, that are that we're familiar with, as well as having an existing Avenger, which they've sort of teased already, and we talked about last time. But yeah, I, I think you know the the role that um, Uncle Ben typically would play in his life, I think, is largely held up by Tony Stark in this film. And you know, you have um, uh, him as a character that's really uh, trying to help him grow up, and he's a father father figure for him. So I, I think. There, it's not that there was an absence of that uh, that whole theme. I think it, it it was just you know taken up by Tony, which you know we can get into his involvement in the film in a little bit. But um, all right, let's, okay, we could talk about that now, or do you want to talk about Tom Holland now? Because I guess we owe it to everybody to talk about Tom Holland yeah, in let's, the first twenty minutes. Let's talk about Tom Holland. Um, okay, so I like this kid. I think that after seeing him in Civil War, I was like, oh shit, like he's funny, like he. You know, I like the way that, however, the mocap is working. It looks good. It looks good. The effects aren't terrible. But, like, I do want to see Spider-Man swinging through the canyons of Manhattan, and they didn't do that. And that's okay, and I understand why. But I think that that is a good... That This is, a, like, as someone who, like, lives in New York City or believes to live in New York City, like, I you know, that's, like, an essential part of Spider-Man. Like, he needs to be... Fl going down the you know streets of New York City or up or wherever, yeah. you know, swinging around being kick ass, and he's like totally in Queens. Like, don't get me wrong, this movie is Queens porn. Oh yeah. But but uh, yeah, so that's awesome. 
I really like him as Peter Parker. I think he's hilarious. I love the, his reactions, uh, especially at the, um, you know, the re, the big reveal, the big twist um, when he gets to uh, Liz Allen's house and look who's there. It's Michael Keaton. He's like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> ha, my my theater was like audibly like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I, uh, just to quick, uh, go back to what you were saying about the New York City element, I I agree. I think um, that is such a staple of the, the films. And I, I think right before we uh, went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, the amazing Spider-Man films were on TV, and like I, we just put him on briefly. And it's like, yeah, you still you get him. He's in Times Square. He's like uh, flying around. Um, but I, I think they are saving that. And you know maybe we'll get a little bit of that in one of the, I don't know if we'll get it in one of the Affinity War movies. I, it, it just depends if they're going to come back to New York or not. Um, but I do think we'll get it in the sequel. I think this one, they really wanted to separate it from, from the rest and have him be in Queens the whole time and then take a road trip to D.C., which was oddly you know, familiar for me, obviously. But um, yeah, man, that reveal, like I, I think it's so interesting that they, they could have went multiple ways. They could have had him open the door and, and see um, Vulture, uh, what the hell is his name? Um, his actual oh. name, uh, Tombs. Um, Tomb. Adrian, oh, uh, yeah, Adrian Tombs. Adrian Tombs. Um, oh, they could have done so many things to have him just be like, oh, I'm showing up at your, your girlfriend's house and I already know who you are. But the fact that it was, nope, this is actually his home. This is his, his family, the family that he's been talking about the whole film since, you know, back to the flashback eight years earlier. Like it was, you know, something that I don't think anyone was really expecting. Um, and yeah, I think the, the air was sucked out of the room in, in my theater too. And, um, but that I think was what made him such a more compelling villain. Cause it wasn't just a, a guy in a suit that he has to fight and he's, he's bad because he's bad. It, there was a human. Oh my God. He was such a, he was such a great villain. Michael Keaton deserves all the credit in the world for being easily one of the best Marvel villains. Like he yeah. didn't, he wasn't even completely Beetlejuice crazy. No. <laughs> and he was just like, he slam dunked his scene with Peter when he shows up in the underoos and the pajamas. And he's like talking to him about, he's like, you don't, you don't know anything. You're a baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. That seat is, that seat is great in the car, the car scene. Oh man. That like, there's so much tension. It's such a small moment. But the stakes are so high, yeah. and you're like, oh, my God, look at Peter Parker. What is he going to do? He's about to do this. He's like, oh, dad stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. I I really loved that whole sequence. Well, um, I am really glad that Michael Keaton was not killed off. Yes. And the post credit scene leaves a lot to be discussed. If you have, uh, you know, post credit scenes, you know, we already told you fucking spoilers, uh, he's there, he shows up, he meets who's supposedly the Scorpion, apparently Mac Guerrero or whatever. He was apparently on the Staten Island boat right. for the heist when they were fighting. And, uh, yeah, so I... Uh, it's interesting. We'll it's see what, what, what that brings. I would like to have seen the costume, but that's fine. I don't get why he didn't turn him in. I guess it's because he respects Peter for saving, you know, what was going on and saving him and, you know, all that stuff. But right. we'll see. I think it'll be fun to see the Vulture back around. Yeah. I'm sure. On wink, wink, hint, hint. Nudge, yeah, nudge, I, 
I think there is an element of, uh, you know, probably trying to protect his daughter and his family, because if he says something like, oh, I know it's Peter Parker and then they go after Peter Parker and then, you know, down the line, it could come back to bite him. And, you know, if 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 Peter and and Liz are back together at some point, you know, that that could hurt his family or he just really wants to get revenge for himself and he doesn't want to give that satisfaction to someone else. Um, But we'll see. You know, they could be setting up. uh, a, a team up of villains. We'll see. Uh, obviously, we had a little bit of shocker in there too. Yeah, but they Marvel still hasn't done that, and easily Spider-Man has the best rogues gallery totally. for them to draw from for a villain team up movie from the MCU. So yeah. I am so down to see that happen. I hope Amy Pascal is happy about how much money this movie made. I think it made like a hundred and twenty something, right? Yeah, it was uh, for the opening weekend. Yeah, it was up there. It, um, I, I, I don't think it quite surpassed. I mean, it was in the, one of like maybe the top five of the MCU de- debuts, and it made the most of a solo movie debut. So like most sequels do better than it. Um, sure. Um, but it, and then it, it did better than the Amazing Spider-Man films, and I think the only one it didn't surpass was Spider-Man Three. Sure. Um. So. So it did very, very well, and um, we'll see how how well it performs this weekend too. Because uh, obviously, it's a, another big movie weekend with uh, War of the Planet of the Apes coming out, which is getting stellar. Reviews. I have t- I have tickets for it later tonight. Oh, awesome! Um, so you know, there's competition there, and there there it's been a busy summer of movies, and it, it hasn't ended yet. Um, so we'll see. I would I think it would be very interesting and telling though if. Planet of the Apes was able to beat Spider-Man. I don't believe that it will. No. But if it if it did, I think that would be an amazing thing for Matt Reeves, who's about to direct the next Batman movie. Yeah. And an amazing thing for the final Planet of the Apes movie, which I'm dying to see, but not so good for Spider-Man. No. Okay, let's go back to... I want to talk about... Uh, okay, so I have two big thoughts about Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. I'd like to share them with you. And why I think, you know, this is like a thing and, and like why it's, you know, interesting to me and, and, and stuff. AJ took okay. uh, many pages of notes again, everybody. So. <laughs> many pages of notes. So, okay, so the big controversy that I want to talk about that everyone is freaking out about is there's a, there is supposedly or the internet believes there to be a continuity error within Spider-Man Homecoming. Did you read anything about this, Frankie? I didn't, but I I kind of avoided some of it, and I have my own sort of issues with the continuity, so I wonder if my issues line up with what's going on. So tell me, what's what's the internet a rave about? So, okay, so first of all, I don't believe that Kevin Feige, who sat in the editing bay for Spider-Man Homecoming, um, made an error for putting this movie out, okay? And I'm going to tell you why. Because ultimately, this uh, this movie represents so much um, going forward that, of course, he would pour over it, and he understands the continuity better than anybody else. Sure. So here's what I'm going to posit, and here's what I think you know is kind of going on. All right, so in Spider-Man Homecoming... Uh, after the beginning opening, uh, you know, one shot of the aftermath of the Battle of New York, the first Avengers battle with the Chitauri in midtown Manhattan, 
uh, near Grand Central Station and uh, what is Stark Tower, um, there is a major uh, time jump from there after Adrian Toomes is, you know, told he's not going to, you know, be a, you know, able to clean all this stuff and he's going to now become a bad guy. Eight years later, they jump forward in time. So people are a little bit upset because if uh, we're to understand or that the public generally understands that the Avengers took place in 2012, then eight years later would mean that Spider-Man Homecoming takes place in the year 2020. Right. (laughs) When when throughout the movie, they reference it as 2017. Sure. So here's how this all lines up, everybody, because we all have to remember what's going on. So I think people uh, are familiar with the first Phase 1 movies. Um, You know, it is... It is said that, uh, so 2008, 2008, Iron Man comes out. That's the first entry into the thing. It takes place all in a matter of about a year uh, when Iron Man is taken away, and then he comes back. Uh, Then in 2009 is when you have what's called Fury's Big Week. And you can see this on like all these like big like cinematic you know timeline posters. Okay. And this is where you have the events of Incredible Hulk, Iron Man two, and Thor, as well as the end of Captain America: The First Avenger. Sure. All take place within about a week of Nick Fury's time. Okay. So even though you have different continuities, you know obviously Thor starts very very long, very very long ago. Obviously, most of Captain America takes place during World War II, but at the end of that movie and, you know, at the end of Thor, all those movies kind of are, like, set up within the timeline. Sure. Which puts the events of the Avengers in 2010, okay? Yeah, yeah. So when we have that, it kind of all kind of works out together. So from there, you know, Iron Man 3 and Thor 2 take place in 2013, Cap 2 and Guardians 1 and 2 both take place in 2014. Uh, 2015, you have Age of Ultron and Ant-Man. 2016, Doctor Strange. And then 2017, Captain America, Civil War, and then Spider-Man. Sure. Okay. So what I think people are really confused about here is, you know, kind of where, you know, the Avengers... Uh, you know, accidents happen. There is on the Marvel Netflix TV shows a computer uh, viral marketing ad of the uh, Daily whatever, and it has the date of the New York uh, Battle of May fifth, twenty twelve, to coincide with, with release, yeah. the release of the Avengers. However, uh, this is not uh, canon because. The um, Marvel Netflix TV shows don't really coincide or, or have to corroborate or would be under the direct supervision of of Kevin Feige anyway to know right. Right. that something like that happens. So if that's not in his brain, that's not truly canon, which means that the you know always and forever, the Marvel Netflix shows are gonna kind of exist without in the out in the periphery of the MCU going forward, which is fine in my opinion. But I think people need, people are freaking out because they see this and they see it and they say, well, you know, it doesn't really line up. And it's like, well, yeah, it totally doesn't really line up. There's a lot of these fucking movies. It's also been noted on the people's things that like, they had a writer's room of writers, right. That got them from 
Iron Man 1 through kind of uh, Age of Ultron. After Age of Ultron, all these writers are kind of gone, and now they're, like, dealing with new writers and stuff. Sure, yeah. And, and you're also dealing with uh, the guys who do the movies now. Who are these guys again? Uh, the guys who are doing Infinity War. Oh, the Russos? The Russo brothers. Yeah. These guys, these guys have their own, you know, continuity thing as well. Because, yeah. you know... So, I don't know. Does this... Did I mean you didn't really look into this story too well, much, so I guess it really didn't bother you at all. No, but no, like, but the, the funny thing is, like, this is exactly what I was thinking. I said, okay, why did why is it eight years later? Doing the math, twenty twelve plus eight is twenty twenty. This movie we're watching is twenty seventeen. So I, this, yeah, I I totally not to pat myself on the back. That is the same thing that I picked up on. That uh, it seems like everyone else did. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way I, I took it is sort of the way you described it, that the events of the Avengers must have taken place before 2012, but I, and that I could believe a little bit more than, um, that the events of this movie taking place in the future. Um, I just, it, to me, it's just like, well, it's lazy. Why, why would they say eight years later? Like they could have easily just said, um, present day, they could have put a, a more accurate number there. It just, it. I don't know, it, it, unless they really want to connect back to it at some point to really describe why the events of Spider-Man Homecoming are in 2017, but the events of the Avengers were eight years earlier. So, like, I don't know. It is it is strange, um, and it, it seems that I can understand why a lot of people would be upset about it, because it it would maybe show that maybe the connection between Sony and Marvel isn't as tight as we should assume. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think, no, I don't think, I don't think that's it because, I, be, because it's Kevin Feige. Right. All right. Like that to me, I think says everything. Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna let this go out. All, everything in a movie is, uh, on purpose. There's nothing on accident. People pour over this shit. And, you know, I'm, I'm down with that. So, uh I I think that I'm going to debunk it there for for me and you know if anyone wants to write into us and you know argue with us uh, you know I welcome your arguments yeah. <laughs> but I I really don't you know I don't really care anymore I think that this is a silly argument and I think sure. that we need to stop looking for chinks in the marvel chain because there there's none and right. like yeah. you, you we can like pour over it but there's no collusion and there's never going to be you know, any, you know, errors like that because it's so important to them. And, you know, for them even to retcon that scene in Iron Man 2 Dude, to into yeah. being Peter Parker, like, that's that's pretty cool. It's I'm really cool. That. Like, and so that, I mean, if that's, if we're supposed to take that as content, like, so that movie came out in 2010, and so seven years later, Peter Parker is in, uh, is a sophomore, you know, I mean, he, he looks kind of little, it's hard to tell because he's wearing the mask, but you know, I guess we're to believe that very shortly after that, the events of the Avengers happen and Tombs, uh, you know, is cleaning up the city. So um, I, I think it works. I think we just have to I, I, and I've I read all this stuff like a couple of years ago, how, you know, the events of the movie sort of overlap and, you know, things with with Thor and and Captain America and Iron Man 2 and Incredible Hulk are all sort of happening simultaneously. Right, right, and, right. And so there's really no reason. And But then the other thing that's harder to believe for me is like the aftermath of the Avengers. Like I feel like 
Iron Man 3 takes place pretty close to those events because he's got that PTSD. And then um, Thor, uh, I think Thor 2 can kind of separate itself a little bit in time. There's not so much of an immediate pickup of action. The Guardians movies are in another side of the galaxy, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure someone's probably created a timeline where, that spells out all of these things. But, yeah, I, I think it works. Um, I, so the, going back to Civil War a little bit, the thing that I really enjoyed was the way the movie picks up, and it's got Peter Parker filming the events. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like we've never seen something like that. And, and it also seems like really dangerous, Peter, like something that – Someone is just going to get hold of one day, you know, maybe in the sequel and they, they find his film and like figure out who Spider-Man is because he has right. this recording. But um, right. it was cool. And I, I think it was cool to see everything from his perspective, whereas before it was a little bit more from Cap and Tony's. Oh, uh, totally. And he's he's just so funny. And that whole sequence is hysterical. And uh, I, yeah, I I love that. I didn't I didn't really watch too many of the trailers for this movie. So that. That whole sequence wasn't spoiled for me, which was great. Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, I, yeah, he's he's great. It was so funny. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, the opening. I loved seeing uh, Toombs' motivation for what happened, how he came in and the government yeah. just kind of came in and fucked him. And I thought that that was like a great, you know, like he's a small villain. He's they kind of put the Heisenberg, you know, formula on. Uh, Michael yeah. Keaton a little bit. You could definitely see he drew from that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think without that scene, um, it really reduces him as a character. Um, and it, it wouldn't really explain his villainy as much. And I think it was really important for the film to have that arc in there. Um, and I thought it was a cool inclusion of damage control. Uh, yeah, totally. Now, the other thing that actually I was really not stressed about, but like really nervous about at the beginning of the film. So the credits roll, you get a little, um, something with, with the Sony pictures and then they completely skip over the Marvel, um, opening, opening credits. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they, they're not doing that. That is crazy to me. And then they, they throw it in after the little introduction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, which totally works in hindsight. But at the time I was like, are you kidding me? I can't believe they're doing this. Like, this is like a staple of the MCU to have this thing. But then they even did it differently. They had, you know, the old Spider-Man music play over the, the Marvel credits, which was cool. Um, but it, it's still, I feel like they made it, they, they, they're taking this movie and they're like, well, it exists in this continuity, but it's very different. Like, this is the Sony Marvel picture. Like, it's in continuity, but they have ownership of it in a, in a way and they have some of that creative control you know there's there was some meeting where they were like okay well we'll do it but we get the opening credits <laughs> like so right. i don't know it so I, I think um was there, there was another big thing that you wanted to cover other than the continuity right yeah i just think that like you know we know so many there's been three different spider-mans in two decades um that's a lot of spider-man yeah um, and I think that we've had, uh, you know, we've had like, think about it like this. You know, we had a Spider-Man who was like hanging out, being normal, and we had a Spider-Man that kind of zagged a little bit from what we had just seen before, and then we have, you know, we have just seen this one that just zigged like even harder from, you know, what we normally know or are familiar with for Spider-Man. Sure. So I think that certain differences here, like 
kind of take away and certain totally add. Like, I think that Ned is an amazing addition, you know, as opposed to the way they did uh, has Harry Osborn in the sequel of the Amazing Spider-Man, you know, series. Right, right. Um, I think that the Mary Jane that Kirsten Dunst, you know, despite how corny she is and despite how corny that movie is and as sad as the fact that she doesn't really get to make very many choices in that movie she's just kind of you know something for peter to rescue all the time i still think she's awesome but in no way does she compare to how amazing emma stone's gwen stacy is in the amazing spider-man series so like you, you can go round and round with these kind of things and this is something that i don't think like batman really has because a batman when they do it, like, because he's so grounded in what we understand of his character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can only go so far in everybody's interpretation of them, and they're also not really told to do very much different, right. you know? So, like, you, I think we all kind of come to this, like, more of a binary understanding of when there's a new Batman, and we're like, you know, good or bad, you know, zero or one. Right, yeah. Where, both both Batman yeah. and Spider-Man have the, the, the dead parents issue. They both have a... Uh, father or uh, adult figure kind of leading them around. So you got your Alfred, you got your Aunt May. And then, but in, in Peter Parker's land, he's, he always has some sort of love interest that is crucial to the story and that he's always trying to protect and protect his identity. And Batman, you, you don't really get that. You know, there's been hints of, you know, other... Um, like with with the Robins and and things like that, and obviously in the in the Dark Knight trilogy, he's had love interests, um, but it, it's not to the same level as the iconic Mary Jane or uh, Gwen Stacy. So like, um, it's interesting that we we kind of don't have that in this film quite as much. I also think it's interesting that like some of what makes you know a character like Batman or Spider Man great is how the ancillary characters in their universes kind of work within like the storyline. You know, you have Aunt May, you have Uncle Ben, you have uh, Flash Thompson, you have Harry Osborn, you have Norman Osborn, you have J. Jonah Jameson, you know, you have like, you have, uh, you know, all these different characters. And I think that there's something to be said about drawing from them. And I think that they did a really good job. I think that the new Flash Thompson is, you know, definitely looks like a jerk and like totally looks like. The kind of guy that, um, you know, would be totally a dick, you know, nowadays. I don't think, he, you know, necessarily that, you know, bullies are always, you know, going to yeah, look the sure. way we know what we've been told that they look like anymore. So sure. that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, you do need to do Spider-Man justice in servicing his core characters and, um, you know, traits. And I think, you know, hopefully we will see that. Yeah. And I think we get a little bit of that with his relationship with Liz. And then obviously at the end, they kind of tease the fact that the Michelle character that, that they call that she, her friends call her MJ. And like, I don't know. I, I think that's more of an Easter eggy thing. I, I think, I don't think that they're going to necessarily be like, okay, this is Mary Jane. Like she's not Mary Jane Watson. Like there could be a Mary Jane Watson exists in this universe. And maybe he he meets her one day. 
Um, but she doesn't. No, this is what it is. This is what we're going to have. I, I and that's fine. That, and that, no, that's just Did you fine. hear uh, Feige's comments about it, though? Like, he, he said that if they date, they date, but this is not Mary Jane, but she could be an MJ. Like, it's... I, I don't know. I think they, they're leaving the room open uh, to well, maybe okay, so, another character, but I think that they're going to go down the route of having Zendaya as the next love interest. Okay, two things. First, one th- first thing, you can't have a character named Mary Jane with how popular recreational and medical marijuana is nowadays <laughs> because it takes on a totally different name and it sounds silly after a while. So, like, first of all, nobody really names their kid Mary Jane anymore. That's so, fair. you know, you, when you don't have these things in modern society, you know, it kind of has to be reflected in what we see on TV so or in the movies. So I think they went this way because they wanted to do something that, again, it zigged from what we are traditionally, you know, known for to see in our uh, Spider-Man, you know, stories so I think that that's all well and good. Um, and I think that Zendaya is cool and, you know, whatever they'll do with her character, they'll do. And, you know, we'll just see down the line. Um, I wish that they had given her a little bit more, um, you know, time. And I think that maybe they should have, you know, not uh, misled us as so much. It misled us so much into saying, like, oh, well, what what are they doing in this movie? Like, you know, I think that they should have just been like, you know, she's Michelle Jones, like, okay, boom, like, everyone can just be like, all right, like, whatever, you know, people, is she MJ? We don't know if she's MJ. Right. And then gone that way, as opposed to being like, well, you know, uh, you know, her name is Michelle, and, like, everyone's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And and I think that there's times when spoilers hurt and spoilers help, and, like, this really, you know, everyone's kind of, like, fear over this for something I think is so stupid. I, I don't know. I think that she's great. And I just hope that they kind of um, the next part of the story like is is you know a good um, kind of tit for tat between her and Peter. Like I want to see them more together. I think that they have good chemistry, and I want to see uh, them together more. Yeah, and and yeah. doing what they have to do. Uh, yeah, I what think else? Well, I think they'll they'll be. I, I think it was crucial to the story to have uh, his interest be with Liz. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole Tombs family, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I also can't believe that they uh, showed Aunt May knowing who Peter Parker is. Oh, the way it ends. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. I, I Everyone just erupted in laughter, and um, I love the way that the way they cut it. I think that was really, really funny. Um, and I think it means a lot moving uh forward um whether we see something in the next in avengers movie or if it it really picks up in the next spider-man movie um that will really shake up the dynamic that that she's aware of him and i think it it'll be tough for him because he's still in high school and that um he's really still under her roof um whereas you know in in the other movies he was a little bit more on his own because he was more of an adult in college and whatever um but uh there are a couple other little easter eggy things i thought were really cool um the the fact that betty brant was a newscaster in the high school tv yeah that was good i I thought that was really good and that's a fun little nod to uh perhaps her career down the line where she works at the daily bugle um 
I, I think it's going to be really hard for them if they want to keep this franchise going for us to believe that Peter Parker will one day work at the Daily Bugle. Um, but we'll see. There may be an organic way that they can tell it. I think it's it, it doesn't really make sense for his character right now, but um, uh, I think it's still fun to, to think that those characters would exist in this world and you know maybe they have a, a new J. Jonah Jameson one day. That could be fun. Um, other than that, uh, any other Easter eggs that you caught that were, were interesting or... Any other Easter eggs I thought were interesting? Well, I thought the Miles Morales nod was cute and right. interesting. So when you have uh, the Prowler, like, be like, yeah, I got a nephew. Yeah. That was that, cool. If everyone, uh, oh, that's um, Donald Glover's character, Aaron Davis. Um, they nod to the fact that he has a, a nephew um, and in the comics. Uh, I love the intimidation mode in that scene. Oh, my God. They, they totally, you know, that's like straight out of Batman or Arrow where they've got the totally voice. And I think that was just so funny. Um, you know, it, and it's fun that in this day and age where we've had so many different superhero films that they can kind of go against the conventions and poke fun at it a little bit. Um, um, let's see, what else can we cover? Um, so Tony Stark, we haven't really talked yeah. much about Tony. Um, Okay, so there was a lot less Tony Stark than I thought that there was going to be. I thought that this movie was going to be swimming with Robert Downey Jr., yep. that he was going to be chewing up the scenes, that he was going to be a big part of the major action set piece at the end. And I was really glad to only see him where he showed up. I thought that he showed up at perfect places throughout the movies. It, movie. I thought it was great to see the return of uh, Miss Pepper Potts. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that whole sequence at the end uh, was very much like, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark is very much about, you know, his father and like how he deals with, you know, being an adult and learning to be responsible. And, you know, I thought that this was a really kind of a fun part of Tony's character growing. I thought it was interesting that almost like Tony Stark's character grew a little bit. But I don't know how much Peter Parker grew, you know. I wish he, there was more of a defined arc of like him, uh, you know, maybe learning, you know, how much he's going to risk or, you know, that he, you know, kind of doing something, you know, more different, like trying to like move out or something. I don't know. But yeah, yeah I, I did really like, uh, you know, to, to, to see Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal yeah. of the Iron Man character throughout this movie. What did you think? I, I really liked it. I think I agree with you. There was less of him than I expected. And it's, I think it's even funny that in a couple of the, the scenes, he wasn't even, physically with Tom Holland, you know, there was like the one iconic moment where he's like off in, you know, some faraway country and he's basically Skyping in. With yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That. that was fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he, he, uh, portrayed a really, uh, important father figure for Peter and, um, really helped him grow. I, I do think that Peter grew. I, I think it's more, I think, Spider-Man grew. I think this, as much of uh, this movie was not an origin story, I think he didn't really know who he was as Spider-Man, and he thought he could do all this stuff, and then he realized that he was in way over his head, um, and that with with the help of Tony taking the, and taking the suit away, he really had to go back to his his own personal strengths as uh, a superhero, um, and, and without the suit, because the suit kind of made him a little bit overpowered and so i think 
um, back to Tony, there there was a, a couple of things that actually I was sort of questioning because in Civil War, don't they distinctly say something that him and, and Pepper broke up? So, no, they're on a break. They're on a break. Okay. So so for them to be back together in this, it's sort of believable, I guess. Um, I thought the happy stuff was good. I think he's... He's uh, great. He he's, was fun. he's so he, funny. He's very funny. Um, the, the fact that they, they show them moving um, all the stuff from Avengers Tower to the Avengers facility, I think, again, might be another thing that people have a little bit of an issue with continuity-wise, because, like, how all that lines up, because, you know, they... They start there at the end of Age of Ultron, and they're there in Civil War, so it's like a little fuzzy, um, but uh, whatever. Um, and then uh, there are a lot of Easter eggs in, in the things that they, they were bringing over, like Cap's new S.H.I.E.L.D. prototype and something for Thor. Um, so that was all great. Um, and I, I really liked the, uh, the spider suit that they they teased that there that Tony was going to give to him and that seemed like straight out of the comics civil war era with um with I think you know it's some more of a bit of an armor um I think we'll probably get to see him wear that in one of the Infinity War I think that's going to be awesome uh, And then maybe he'll have cosmic armor He might he might that would be rad um and then uh you know the fact that they were going to make him an official avenger it sort of to me at this point, it's like, well, who are the Avengers? Because they're kind of splitting on the run for the most part. Um, I, I, it makes me wonder if, you know, when that, that Quinjet was taking off at, at the Avengers facility, are we supposed to believe that there are a couple of characters in there? Are we going to pick up at some point um, who that was? Because I, I think it's what Vision and, and Tony at this point, it doesn't seem like there's really a team. Well, you got uh, Vision and Tony and uh, Scarlet, which is left, right? And Black Widow has left, too. So it doesn't really leave a lot of players on the table. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they will explain it a little bit in Infinity War because um, they're going to have to recruit everyone back, you know, that, that's on the run. Well, they're also going to have uh, Doctor Strange. I'm sure we'll have uh, Banner and Thor returning soon after yeah. their adventures in Ragnarok, yeah. which I'm very much looking forward to. I was really bummed that there wasn't a new trailer for Thor, Attached for Spider-Man. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for one. I was hoping for a post credit scene. Um, I, okay, so let's talk about the post credit scene at the end of <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, so all throughout the movie, there are these really hilarious um, uh, promotional videos that, like, obviously Captain America was made to do after the events of the Avengers for, like, uh, schools. So he does, like, you know, the President's Challenge. Like, if you remember that from P.E., Captain America, it's the Captain America challenge. So yeah. There's a great scene with Hannibal Burris where he's like, I don't know if this guy's a war criminal or not, but <laughs> he's still there. And that scene's really funny. Anyway, um, there's a scene where Cap's like talking to Peter Parker because he's in tension. He's like, so, you got tension. So at the end of Peter, at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming, at the, all the way at the end, the last post credit scene, Cap comes on and he's like, patience. Sometimes <laughs> you have a lot of patience. But sometimes you don't know if these patients is just, you know, waiting around for something that you think is going to happen, but doesn't happen. <laughs> and the whole crowd is like, oh, my God, Captain America just fucking trolled the hell out of us. Yes. Because we are all stupid nerds who have been yep. programmed like Pavlovian dogs to a nipple. Yeah. That we are going to get some little juicy bit of excitement, exciting news out of the post credit scenes. 
So, like, I think everybody generally liked this or thought it was at least funny, like, in the kind of the Deadpool in sense the, of the yeah. world. Yeah, totally. In that I, meta sense. I will say it is a little bit bittersweet because it now kind of tells us that unless you want to stick around for a joke or something inside, you know, to the movie or the community that you're about to see this movie with, maybe we don't always need to stay for the post credit scenes anymore. And I think that because they're not going to be giving away any new plot moving, plot moving uh, bits at the end of these movies anymore because they know that they don't need to. <laughs> so, like, why would they waste time making these things that directors don't like to do anyway? Yeah. I don't, and, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of... It, I'm torn because, obviously, Guardians had five, and we had them in Civil War, and we had them in Doctor Okay, like, okay, but it, let, let's, let's, let's give that a caveat, though, because... Anything that takes place in the Guardians universe is under the purview of James Gunn. It's his right. universe to kind of steer and guide. Marvel has, you know, said before that they've kind of given him the reins to control what happens and what doesn't happen within that universe. Sure. So I think that's, you know, in and of itself, fine. So any of his, like, you know, the only one that was really monumental was Adam Warlock, but we've known of Adam Warlock joining the MCU for years. So sure. it wasn't totally as shocking as maybe you know, seeing uh, Lady Siv and, uh, you know, the big hairy guy at the end of uh, Thor 2 in Guardians or right. getting to see, um, uh, you know, the twins at the end of uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. You know, these well, kind of, I think that those kind of things, those kind of uh, cut-tos and cutaways at the end of these Marvel pictures uh, that move the story forward are kind of done for the MCU movies. And I would be hard-pressed that they probably will not do something like this at the end of Thor Ragnarok uh, leading into Infinity War, which makes which seems crazy, mm. but I also I think that this is, again, Marvel trolling us. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I, I think, you know, we had, uh, uh, at the end of Doctor Strange, we had Thor show up, and while it's, played for comedy a little bit it is teasing the fact that they're going to be together in in thor ragnarok um I, you know i think this this spider-man one where you have uh tombs I, it's more service for his next film than it is for moving everything forward but i i don't know i, I think i think it's more of an, a fun nod to the fact that this is something that they do and that they've trained us to stay for, um, and I thought it was hilarious. I, I also was hoping maybe they would cut to something Infinity War related, but obviously they didn't. Um, I, I maybe maybe we won't get one at the end of Infinity War because that movie's probably going to end on some sort of cliffhanger to lead into the fourth Avengers movie. But I, I don't know. I don't think they're necessarily done. I think I could see something at the end of Thor Ragnarok teasing um, some some way that. Uh, Thanos got an Infinity Stone or gets his first one or something like that because they have a lot of story to to move along in order for for that movie to really work and right now he has zero so uh, I, I could see something like that but you know I, we'll see <laughs> agree to disagree <laughs> fair enough all right everybody so I, I think that this movie it's really it's really fun it's light on its feet is it the best Spider-Man movie I think only time will tell I think sure. that we'll see how 
the sequel holds up. I think we'll see how Spider-Man does in Infinity War. Uh, what kind of com- what are the repercussions all from all that that he- we're dealing with going forward? Uh, is there going to be any time jumping around that we're going to deal with in Infinity War once we get our hands on the time gem? Uh, we don't know, uh, listeners, viewers, uh, friends, and we hope that you really enjoyed us talking about Spider-Man. If there's anything that you think we missed or you want us to cover or talk about, please let us know. Um, you know, we'll be happy to, uh, bring it up in a future episode. Uh, until then, I think that's all I have to say about Spider-Man. Frank, is there anything you'd like to pepper on to our discussion over here? No, I, I think, uh, I think this was a really fun movie and, uh, it, had uh, a great little arc for for Peter to follow, and I, I'm excited that they're going to keep him in high school. He's got his suit back, and there'll there'll be another great story for them to tell. Um, like I said, about two or three years. So I'm excited to see him in Infinity War, and uh, you know we've got. Well, we're not movie. we're not really missing him at all because you're going to get you we we're going to get Spider Man in a movie 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Oh yeah, you know, great. straight through, <laughs> straight through. So, but yeah, no, I think this was fun and um, glad that we got to, to unpack it. Um, I think to tease um, some more podcasts from us, um, I, I think we have the um, new episode or the new season of Game of Thrones kicking off tomorrow. So I'm oh sure my God. say about that. Yeah, oh we, we just rewatched season two just because we have it, and it's just so great. Uh, the Battle so, of the Blackwater, that's good. That's a good season. Great, great season. Um, I think we both want to cover War of the Planet of the Apes, um, and we'll Absolutely. see what else. Um, so hopefully, knock on wood, no more audio issues, and we'll, we'll keep this podcast moving along for everybody. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us. We are the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Check us out at long lost hero at llh podcast at uh facebook instagram and twitter uh long lost heroes.net um if you want to find us online you can email us at uh info at long lost heroes.net as always i'm aj and i'm frank thank you guys so much have a great weekend and party on